0: All right, Justin, sing me a song that either has the word father in it or is a song about fathers. Hmm,
1: that's a good one.
0: I was pretty hmm. proud of this one, yeah.
1: <laughs> and why am I drawing a blank? This is really easy. Um, <laughs> oh, how about uh, Papa was a roll of Stone"? So, oh my God, what what were the words? Oh my God, no. I gotta gotta remember the
0: words.
1: (laughs) Something like, Papa was a rolling stone and whatever he left, he left in his home. And when he died, all he left us was alone. Something like that. I, I forget the lyrics, but it's a pretty popular old school song.
0: Yes, I know um, literally the first line of that song, kind of like you did at the beginning there. So (laughs) I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, you get a point for that one. So I, I approve. Yes. I think it's good. So how about them apples, Sterling?
1: (laughs) Yes, Sterling. Ha ha. I get a a point.
0: A point for me for thinking of that topic, but not having to sing. I will always take that opportunity. So. Yes,
1: there you go. I think <laughs> Heather should get two points for doing his job for him Hey, he's not here. <laughs> yeah, there I'm
0: you gonna go. Take Sterling's point for the day. Um, okay, yeah, because that's yeah, because I was there was one I was thinking of the, uh, um, what was that John Mayer song? The fathers be good to your daughters, something, something. That's the only one I could think of.
1: Hmm. <laughs> it was yeah, a good song though. Yep hmm
0: but anyways see i still sang too even though i wanted out of it so i get three points i think today
1: yes <laughs> yes three
0: yes okay but on that note we're gonna do our music with
1: you all right are you ready yeah. Come on. cinema slayers all right cinema slayers is back once again and this is Justin Taylor your resident wrestler yes sir and I'm joined by Heather and unfortunately Sterling if you haven't already figured that out will not be with us tonight <laughs> he had to work he's on call The guy's got important stuff. He's an essential worker. What can I say? You know, he's got important stuff to do. So couldn't, unfortunately, couldn't be on this one tonight. But we've got a good show in store, I believe. We've got a doubleheader for you guys. We're still checking out some of the um, Oscar movies that came out. For This past year. So that's kind of what we're covering today. And these are actually two very reputable movies. They did great with critics. People are still talking about these movies. So we hope that we can provide some insight on what we thought because we are cinema slayers and we're going to rip the movies apart. So we're featuring today Minari. And the father. So the first thing we're going to do is talk about Minari. And of course, we're going to follow our same format. We're going to do non-spoiler talk. And then we're going to do spoiler talk for Minari. Then we'll shift gears to the father and do the same uh, non-spoiler spoiler spoiler talk for that as well. So to start with Minari, Heather, give us some spoiler-free thoughts about this film.
0: Yeah, so, and I'm sure as everybody knows, I mean, Minari got a lot of kind of Oscar buzz and it got a lot of nominations and things like that. So it was something that I expected was going to be solid performances and things like that. So that was kind of the extent of what I knew going into this. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about what it was actually about, but... Um, I'm honestly really, really glad that I watched this. I think this was a great, great movie. Um, It's very heartwarming. It's profound. It's wholesome. It's um, something that really just kind of makes you think about the importance of family in general. And I just think it's, it's a very natural story. Like, it's very... I don't know what the word I guess organic like it feels like a story about a family that you would know and I think that that's what I really appreciate a lot about it is you know it's it it just it feels like this could have been the true story of like a real family and um just their struggles and the things that they're dealing with trying to you know live the American dream and it is incredibly well acted like um Steven Stephen Yin is so good in this um from The Walking Dead. But not only him, I just feel like everybody in the the whole cast, like the kids were phenomenal. The wife, his wife is great in it. The the grandma, everybody in this really it, it feels like everybody supports everybody as far as performances go. And I just think it was just really everybody's connection and their chemistry with each other was so great. And it even more made it feel like this was a real family. And I just think that it was a heartwarming story. It was, um, you know, it it just, it had a little bit of everything in it too. I mean, it had really funny parts. It had some wisdom in there. It had, you know, the the drama, the romance. It has a lot of stuff in it. And I just think it was, um, it was definitely, Something that I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but it was very pleasantly surprised with what the movie ended up being.
1: Yeah, definitely. I can um, mirror some of those same thoughts that that you said there. Yeah, this was, man, this was excellent. And this is really just kind of one of those movies. I, I mean, I say often on this podcast that you know there are movies that serve different purposes there are entertaining movies and then you've got like your 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 classic movies and then you've got dramas and action and things like that and every now and then i mention meat and potatoes movies just movies where it really is just all about the acting performances it's all about the symbolism the movie is layered and you know you've really got to pick it apart and watch it multiple times to sometimes just appreciate all of the the rich messages that the movie has and this to me is one of those types of movies i totally understand why this movie was in the Oscar race. And I and I understand how it made the lineup because, I mean, man, I mean, where to begin with the stuff that's in here? I mean, there's stuff in here, excuse me, there's stuff in here just about immigrants in general and just that and just trying to assimilate into... US customs and the US lifestyle there's um there's messages here about just our social and moral obligations that we have and objectives and goals that we have and then how that relates to our family and our relationships with people um within our family and then outside of the family i think a lot of that is in there too and then there's just um the whole idea about maintaining your 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 core values as a culture and um and even though you're in a different place and things like that and even though you have to adapt and change and things like that still trying to hold on to those things that make you you and that make your family uh that keep your family bonded and connected and things of that nature i feel like there's little elements of all of that in here But just like Heather said, it's all sprinkled in into what is just a very compelling and entertaining story. I mean, you know, you've seen some of these beats before. If you've seen family movies or, you know, movies that that kind of feature different families and stuff like that. So you've got a mother and father and you've got um, two children. And, of course, everybody's going to kind of have their own arc and things that they're going through. And they're all going to kind of relate to this story. But what's great about this, I think, is just some of the decisions that they make in the script. There are some things that could have been stereotypical. There are some decisions that could have been made that could have made you roll your eyes or could have come off as preachy or could have come off as... I guess, virtue signaling or trying to appeal to a certain group. You know, there are things that could have happened in this script, in this movie, that could have made certain audience members roll their eyes. But I feel like this is a movie that really just doesn't make any of those mistakes. It it keeps all the characters compelling. There's hardly, even if something looks like it might be a cliché, The way that they do things, the way that they tell the story, the way that they have the characters react and the way events occur, it just winds up saying something meaningful or it just or you really appreciate what it all means for the character's arc or for a family member or how it relates to everyone. Like every decision that they make just kind of really adds to these messages and this story that they're trying to tell. So, yeah, I think that this is a, a movie that is just excellent. And and like you said, Heather, I mean, Stephen Yeun was great in this. And I mean, if you've uh, watched Walking Dead, you know that this guy can go. He was a compelling character in that. Um, and, and we loved him all the way up until um, he wasn't on that show. and. Really, he is great here. But some of the other people, Han Yeri, who plays Monica, she was great in this. Uh, The grandmother, um, Sunya, who's in this also, she was great in this, too. Like, the grandmother, oh, man, I can't wait to kind of get into her and kind of how she relates to everybody else. Um, Even Will Patton in This Is Paul, I thought that he was great as a supporting character. So, yeah, this is a movie where Every single person shows up. And then the children in this were also wonderful, too. Uh, I mean, all of, I mean, Sterling talked a little bit in a few episodes ago about how child acting is just on another level. I think we were talking about WandaVision. And man, this is another example of child actors and actresses who are just killing it. I mean, they're just so great. Alongside these adults, and these scenes have to be nailed and they have to be so precise and there's one ch- child who is really going through a tough time and has some ailments and things like that and I mean every emotion that needs to be displayed is displayed by that child, and it's just great yeah um they're inner you know and how they react to interactions with other children and things like that I mean those child actors in this really brought it. So yeah, this really is just an excellent movie throughout. You'd be hard-pressed to find some problems with this movie. Maybe if I think long enough, I'll come up with a dislike. But yeah, this is just kind of one of those where it's just really, really difficult to find something I didn't like about this. This was excellently crafted. It was superbly directed and It it really is a wonderful story. Um, So with that being said, I guess it is time for recommendations and scores. So hit that jingle for me.
0: Oh, yeah. Recommendations and scores.
1: That's the one. So, Heather, um, I guess I'll go first uh, when we do the father. So we'll have you go first this time. So, Heather, uh, recommendations and scores for this one
0: yeah i I would hundred percent recommend this movie. I think it might be one of the best ones I've seen this year so far honestly, and i just i'm I'm happy for all of the acknowledgement that it got. It was definitely well deserved, and especially Stephen Yoon as the um best actor nominee that he got for this. I think that was absolutely deserved. And uh, the supporting actress role, I think just everything that this is up for now that I've seen it, I'm like, yeah, makes total sense. (laughs) Um, It's such a great movie. And um, I I definitely think that it's going to be one where you you have to make sure that you're watching it with like no distractions and you have to be, you know, I mean, it is it's a subtitled movie. So you have to make sure that you're you're in it, you're watching everything going on. And just seeing everything Mm -hmm. coming alive on screen, um, even down to facial expressions and things like that. Like, everything that they do is so important in this movie, and every word that they say is so important. So, but yeah, the majority of this movie is in subtitles. So, of course, I definitely recommend it, but you, you, you have to be where you're a hundred percent like focused on it. You can't be like having it on in the background and doing other stuff because you're not gonna know what's going on for some of it probably. So yeah, but um it's definitely a movie I recommend. Um I think yeah honestly I, I just can't really think of a reason not to watch it. <laughs> kind of like what Jason said like there's just not a lot about this that I can say I don't like. Um Yeah, so I guess I'm going to give this movie, I'll give this movie, um, hmm, I'm going to give it 92, um, running through the fields, trying to catch up to grandma out of 100.
1: Good score, good score. Uh, Yeah, I definitely recommend this movie, especially if you're a fan of movies that we we spoke about. If, If you need your meat and potatoes, if you want to see some really good acting, if you want something that's that's not only has strong messages, but reflective messages, the kinds of messages that make you think about where life is going and think about how these messages relate to you. And I know for me that this definitely had me reflective and just thinking about how I see myself and how I and what my ambitions are and different things like that. This is just another movie that really gets you to open up your mind about certain things. And anytime a movie does that for me, I'm the probably the person on this podcast most likely to lean towards liking it. Those movies, I'm just drawn to movies like that like a moth to the flame. And if I can pick it apart and it's compelling at the same time and I can find all these great little meanings and what's being said, I'm definitely going to be all for it. So I think that this is great. And even if that's not your cup of tea, even if you're not sitting there with a magnifying glass, picking it apart, trying to find everything that's in it and underneath it and around it and everything like that. Just as a simple family movie, I think this is something where you and the family could just sit down, watch this, and still get a lot of enjoyment out of this. You know, I think that kids could watch this, and they would laugh at what some of the other kids are doing and find it compelling, what the what the parents are saying. I think that, especially if you're just a family, there's a lot of relatability in this family. So, just like Heather said, don't be turned off by the fact that maybe a lot of it is in a different language. Though it does balance the the English language and um and the Korean language together in this quite well. Uh, don't be intimidated by the fact that it's a subtitle film. I don't think you should. I think that there's a lot of relatability and there's a lot of uh. Fun to be had with these characters, and they 're very, very compelling, all in their own way. so yeah, I highly recommend as well we're going to go with ninety five um ninety five crosses being carried across a hot dirt road out of a hundred
0: <laughs> nice and honestly, <laughs> i think you're like you're kind you're right there too because like There is, I feel like there's a relatable character for everybody in this movie. Maybe not like I'm completely this character, but I feel like it's, the the characters are so well drawn out and fleshed out, I feel like, that somebody could look at one of those characters and be like, I get that person. You know, whether it's the dad or the mom or the grandma, whoever it may be, I feel like you're you're going to be able to see something in them that you relate to because of just how well they do the characters in this.
1: Yeah, they're very organic, right? Like they feel
0: yeah. real.
1: That that they just feel like real people. They just feel like like their motivations don't feel cut, cut out or manufactured, you know, sometimes and that's something we don't talk about a lot, but Yeah are you ever just watching movies that you feel like this character is doing this because the script is telling the character to do this, but this doesn't feel like something that the character would actually do. And and I mean, and I, and I know it's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, but, but, but doesn't it feel like that sometimes, right? Like you'll, you'll be watching a movie and this character will make these decisions. And you're like, wait a second, but earlier in the film, this person said that they would that that they would never do this or they were having conflicting thoughts about this. So yep. would it be so easy for this character to make this decision? I, I, this just feels like this would be a tougher decision for this character to make. You know, sometimes you get in a movie and that does happen and you feel like that. And you're like, man, something about this doesn't feel right. This just feels like it's being done because we're at this point in the story and it needs to be done. But we're not really understanding or fleshing out the character so we can understand why they're doing this thing or why they're doing these things. And I feel like this is a movie where none of that happens. Like, everybody feels like, that, like someone who you would think... Everybody feels and acts like you would imagine them to act, and when you start to under (laughs) exactly that, they just feel like human beings. And when they make decisions, when they're having talks with the children or or they're interacting with other people, it really feels like it's still them. There's just character consistency. Throughout. And then by the time you get to the end and there are lessons learned, and you see the resolve of some of these characters, and resolutions come forth, and revelations also come forth, it all feels like all the characters are in the place where they need to be, you know? And it doesn't feel forced or manufactured or like, well, Everything is fixed because this is the end of the movie and it's got to be fixed. That is not what this is. It's very mature in its storytelling. And um, and now that we're in the spoiler section, we can expand more on that. So let's hit that jingle and get some details in here. Yes.
0: Yeah, I, um, yes. I think that, yeah, you're completely right. I, I think that's the difference. And like, I know we sort of talked about it At least in the Mortal Kombat movie, where it just felt like they were, they they weren't really reacting to what was happening. It was more of just like, okay, so this thing just happened, so I know that this is the next thing I need to do. You know, it just it felt flat because you felt like they were just reading a script and not reacting Mm -hmm. and actually emoting anything that was happening. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And that and that really is kind of one of the the best things about this film is, like, genuinely, you feel like this is a family you know. Like, you know, I mean, it could be anybody in in any place that you know that's struggling to make ends meet and struggling financially and trying to get used to transitions and changing and being in a place you're not familiar with or having kind of an estranged relationship with a grandparent or whatever it may be. I feel like that's all here and it's all just very real because everybody has stuff like that, you know, and it's, it's just really, I I can't even explain what they do, but it's just so captivating how they really make this family come alive. You know what I mean?
1: No, that's, that's very true. And yeah, the Mortal Kombat was a great contrast in just how sometimes it just felt like, like you said, characters are doing things because we're at the point in the movie and they are supposed to do them. So we're going to do them. Like, but this, (laughs) you know, this, uh, but, but, but this really, and and sometimes that's the difference between like a great film and a decent film, a good film and a bad film, you know, is the film. structure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh and then just whatever Mortal Kombat was. No, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> its uh... own
0: category. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it gets its own category. But um but, but you know the the structure, the storytelling and everything like that it all kind of goes together. You can see how everything relates. And then by the time you get to the end, something about what is happening should make sense. Something about these characters and this journey that we've been on should make sense. So at the end, when you get to them doing certain things or having this resolve, it's got to make sense. And I think that's what I loved about this movie. And you talked about how, you can see yourself in a lot of these characters. Well, well, for me, um, Steven Yun's character, Jacob, man, I saw a lot of myself mm. in that character in, in a lot of ways. Like I, you, you understood that they are this family from Korea and they moved here and he's trying to get his family to a higher economic status. And You you can just and and as you're going through this movie, you see that he is determined to 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 start growing these crops. And he wants this farm so that he can sell the his produce. And he feels like if he can do that, this is the this is America, right? This is the land of opportunity. So I'm going to go out here. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to get mine and I'm going to provide for my family. And we're going to move up in economic status. And I don't need to tell you that this is a Korean man in this movie. Pro- for some of you to probably feel relatable to that, you know, yeah. how often are we fed that in this country that, you know, that that this is where this is the land of opportunity. And if you just work hard and yeah. you have a goal and you have a dream, it's going to come true. You're going to get it. You know, you this is the place. This is a can do you can succeed kind of place. Um, And that's kind of one of the narratives of America. Now, of course, that's not always the case. And of course, life can constantly be more difficult. Sometimes your dreams change, your goals change, et cetera, et cetera. Things happen, right? Such is life. But that is one of the narratives that is often in uh, um. That is often in our American culture. And it's a lot, and a lot of people swear by that. A lot of people live by that. And when I think about this Jacob character, I also just think about kind of some of the social obligations that men sometimes have to be the breadwinner of the family. You know, if you're the man, you've got to be the leader of the house, you've got to provide for your family, you've got to be able to make a financial standing that is commendable enough to where you can provide for everybody and nobody has to have any worries that, I mean, man, I mean, again, you don't have to be a Korean person moving here and be kind of um, beholden to those views to understand that I know exactly what that's like to kind of just as a man to have, those obligations and to, and to feel like you've got to, you've got to be able to provide, you've got to be able to make your own way. You've got to be independent. You've got to go out there and be able to get yours and provide for yourself. There's real pressure on a lot of people Mm, to do that, you know? And so in this film, what I loved is you could feel that pressure on Jacob, that pressure that he was putting on himself, how he felt like if he didn't do this thing there, you know, that the, there were going to be consequences. And you could almost say that uh, he felt like if he didn't do this thing, then maybe he didn't deserve a family. Maybe yeah. he didn't deserve for things to work if he wasn't able to make his own way, if he wasn't able to get them to this certain economic status, then maybe he didn't deserve it. I mean, there are pivotal conversations in this where he's, where Jacob's talking to his wife and he says, okay, if I fail, you can just take the kids and go, you can just take them and go. And it's like, okay, man. And you know, you're sitting, and you know, some people might sit there and go, well, I mean, okay, man, you know, if you fail, is that really worth losing your family? But I really think if you really look deeper that's the kind of pressure people put on themselves. If I can't yeah. be the breadwinner, if I can't be successful, I don't deserve a wife. I don't mm. deserve to have the kids. I don't deserve to be able to provide for this family. If I I don't deserve this family if I can't be the provider for this family. That's and, that's a real thing.
0: Yeah, and honestly that is that's a universal thing. Like it doesn't matter what class or status you are it doesn't really matter what culture you're from or anything that's universal where it's like i i want to be able to provide and take care of my family and you're right like i think that that was kind of jacob's mindset was you know i i as the man and provider of this family should be able to take care of them and if i can't then i don't deserve to have them anyway i think that you were dead on with that and that really you can kind of see that in a lot of his his actions and and it's weird because i feel like to um to his wife monica i feel like and i think probably if there's anybody i do relate to most it's probably monica in this but i i feel like she just had this idea that he didn't care enough about his family to want to live a comfortable life in a sense when in his mind he's just like no, I want to make this happen because this is going to be an even bigger thing for us when it thrives. And the whole time he's mm-hmm. doing it for his family. Like the whole reason he wants to do it is for his family. And it felt like his pride was getting in the way of it. And it and it was, but it wasn't pride because he's like, not I don't I, I think he did definitely have moments of. He didn't want to be a failure. Like, and that was kind of, that was a really, you know, hard moment too. When, when you hear him talking to his wife and saying like, I, I don't want to fail at another thing and I don't want my kids to see me fail at something. That's also very real. And I think, yes, yeah. And I, I think that that was a really special moment in the movie where you really start to understand where he's coming from if you didn't before then. You know what I mean? And like he I don't know, it just was it it's a matter of he had pride and he didn't want to fail, but it wasn't because he wanted to not fail for himself so much as for his family. Like he was like I just I don't want to fail my family. And so his whole motivation was doing it for them even though he was so consumed in trying to do what he was doing, that he lost sight of it and stopped focusing, I guess, on his family just because he was working so hard to try to make sure that they were okay.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And that's why I loved the dynamic with him and Monica because if Monica represented anything, she represented like, you know, um, like the togetherness of a family, the importance of that keeping the family together, keeping the family safe. The family is the most important thing. It's not the success or anything like that. It's just the care and the love for the family. And I think for Monica, she, it it was almost like both of them have the same goal. But what they want to do is help their family is strengthen the family, is make the family better, make the family more sustainable. But where they clashed is the different ways to do that. You know, like you said, Jacob thought that he needed to succeed. He needed to have this business venture work. He needed to, the kids needed to see him succeed. He needed to have all that happen in order for his family to be okay. And Monica could see, like you said, that he was losing sight of certain things. Like, for instance, the house location being an hour away from the hospital when you have a child who has a weak heart. And if something happens and he needs to get to the hospital, you're an hour away. So you could see how for Jacob, he's looking at it and going, man, this is... Exactly the location we need. I can start this farm. This is a chance for us to get a new start. But then you look at Monica and she's looking at this and going, well, I mean, yeah, we're out here, but this doesn't seem like the safest option for our son. And both of those things are valid, you know, both of those concerns are valid. So and that's what I loved about this. This wasn't an either or, or one of them was wrong and one of them was right. That That's the hardship of being in a family or a hardship of trying to do it. They were both right. they Their concerns were both valid, but it was about coming together and seeing that. And And, and throughout the movie, they don't see eye to eye because of those things. She just wants to preserve. And then, like, there are other things with Monica, too, like, just kind of like the religious connection that she had and how she was, you yeah. know, she was constantly praying and she was very, um, you know, wired into her faith. And, and when she was talking to some of the other workers, she was like, you know, there should be a Korean church where we could where we can go and worship and stuff like that how happy she was whenever um Jacob yeah. suggested that they that they go to church you know because she feels that that is those are things that are going to sustain the family. What if we go and we worship together and we're praying together and we're keeping each other together? Right. That's what's really going to sustain us is our bonds and everything like that. Wanting her mother or grandma to 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 come, she was so excited for um for grandmother to get there because that's family. You know that's more family together. So for her, it didn't really matter the income of the job so much. She was fine uh, sorting chickens at the at the at the plant yeah. and everything like that. She was fine with that with that. I guess you could say minimum wage job. What really concerned her was just that her family was safe and their and their bonds and their togetherness. Um, which doesn't mean that she was more or less right than Jacob. Jacob was still right too to want more financial stability. But you can see where those where how those two viewpoints could can clash, yeah. even though both parents want essentially the same thing.
0: Yeah, and then and it's interesting too. You mentioned that part about how Jacob suggested, you know, let's go to a church. I feel like it is those moments where you really do see how much he loves his family and his wife, because even though they're kind of not necessarily in a good place with all the transition and the change and, you know, Monica feeling left out of the decisions and feeling like what he was promising was going to happen was not what was happening. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you could see that that was causing this big, space between them to start filling up but just those small moments like that where he's just like you know what like let's do this because throughout the movie you can tell you know faith is not necessarily his thing you know he he, he wasn't doing it for him but he knew how important that was to mm-hmm. monica so he's like okay if yeah. that's what's gonna make you happy let's do that you know and i think yeah. that that is also a very realistic thing where sometimes you're just like you know what? Like I know that this is not something that I need and I know that this is not something that matters to me, but if we are going to be a family, you need to be happy too and so I'm going to I want to do this for you. So even though he is, you know, stubborn and he's very determined and like single-minded about what he's trying to do with um, you know, the farm and everything, he you see those moments where He remembers like what is important and he remembers, okay, my family is the reason I'm doing this in the first place. So let me, you know, until I can actually make them happy with what I'm trying to do, let me find the other ways that are going to make them happy, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. You could see him making some compromises there with going to the church and everything like that. And to Monica's side, there, there were compromises too. She didn't want to be in that house. She was, you know, early in the movie, they have a big argument about that house. And she was basically trying to convince him that we don't need to move here at all. We need to move somewhere closer to the city where we're closer to doctors for our son and different things like that. And by the time we get to the next scene, That argument had happened, and now they were in agreement that her mother, grandma, could come and stay with them. And that was a compromise she was making. I don't think she wanted her grandmother to come there and live there. She was hoping they could be somewhere else before that, but that was a compromise. And so you can kind of see... And I guess that's what we mean by these characters just seem very human. The, the 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 story and the script didn't try to make you feel, well, the wife is wrong and the husband is right. Or the husband right. is right and the wife is wrong. It really showed the back and forth of what a relationship, a marriage is, you know? So yeah. I just... Liked how they did that. They didn't try to demonize one character or another. They all kind of are r- related. And, and the cool thing about the husband and wife is that, you know, they were clashing. They couldn't quite see each other's point of view. And then, and then enters grandma, Sunya. And man, <laughs> I mean, it felt like she was the character i guess you could say that was most at peace was most balanced i guess had you know she had lived some of the hard life you know the the wife talked about how you know her her husband had died her father had died and you know you know this is the we're the only family that my mom has left and everything like that and she made it sound like before we meet her her mother she makes it sound like 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 grandma was having a rough go right she was like you know she's the only family we got and that's why she's coming here and everything like that and then when we meet grandmother she's kind of a free spirit she's kind of foul mouth <laughs> yeah. she's you know not she's kind of got grandma, her weight.
0: as the kid would say
1: yeah exactly you're not a real grandma that was a great Scene with the son, like you're not a real (laughs) grandma, you swear all the time, you don't, you know, you're always talking and all this stuff, you know. Like, um, they had some great scenes together. Well, she had good scenes with everybody, but yeah, you know, she, and even though all of that was exterior stuff, what was kind of cool to me is that she seemed to be the character that was most at peace when she got there and saw the house. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Monica expected her to have the same feelings that she had. Oh, it's too small, and where are we? And this and that. Right. And and you know, she was just like, Oh, the house has wheels, it's fun. Right. This is exciting. Yeah, you know, this is this is new, this is exciting. You know, let's try and see what we can uh do with this. How she was kind of encouraging them to give the children more freedom. You know, they need to have some of their own experiences. They need to, you know, experience some things. Oh, they said you could, we couldn't go all the way out there where the riverbank is. Well, no, we're going out there. Let's go out there. Let's have an adventure. Let, let me show you where I'm going to put these Minari seeds. Like, she really was kind of like, to me, the balance. She was somebody who was where I felt like the adults needed to get by the end of the movie. She was more appreciative. She was just more, she never got mad at the kids or saw their personalities as an issue or tried to alter them or change them. Kind of like how the mother was like trying to get the son to try the the Korean soups and all of that kind of stuff and all that stuff from home. And even though he didn't like it, she felt... Like, no, I'm gonna, uh, you're, you're gonna like this stuff because this is part of our history. These are our values and stuff like that. And even though he didn't like it, he she was kind of, Monica was trying to kind of Forced that on him in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then the mother was kind of the opposite of that. You know, she was more like just embracing the 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 kids for who they were. So you, there was definitely this contrast in how she was acting versus how the parents were acting, you know.
0: And that's interesting. And now that I'm thinking about that, too, I feel like that's another big difference between Jacob and Monica is maybe a big reason why Monica was trying so hard to be like, Oh, this is from Korea. Like this is part of our, you know, and then the, the grandma saying this is part of our history. They're very rooted in, you know, their history and their culture. And Jacob just wanted to be in America, you know, and it kind of seemed like for him, that aspect of things wasn't as big of a deal to him. And so, so maybe that's why Monica was trying so hard to like, keep those traditions and keep these, you know certain things from our culture with us because she wanted her kids to still kind of value that because it kind of seems like in Jacob's mind that's not something that he was necessarily focused on you know what i mean
1: definitely and you could and you could see that in some of Monica's actions like when when i believe there was even a scene where the grandmother was um was talking about the son and she was like, oh, he's, uh, uh, yeah, he's an American boy. He likes a lot of the things that are American and stuff like that. And then uh, Monica kind of stops her and goes, no, he's Korean. You know, it was kind of that. And even though that's a little thing, and and that's what I mean by this script, it does so much with so little. That was just a... (laughs) A short conversation, but right there kind of encapsulated that she, like you said, she wasn't so big on just adopting all of this American stuff. And of course, the opposite of that, like you said, was Jacob, who was trying to fully embrace that and the ideals and the success and everything like that. So, yeah, just more little things like that all over, just pasted all over this movie that kind of let you in on the motivations of the character. So yeah, that was a great point.
0: Yeah. And then another, like, well, first of all, I think that the um, David, the little boy, like he really was kind of a scene stealer. Like he was so good in, in every scene that he was in. And he was such a believable, just like curious, but you know, just the little boy who was, You know, he wanted what he wanted and, you know, he would pout and he would stomp around and he didn't like things not the way he wasn't used to and all of this. But he was he was just so good and just so lovable and adorable because you're you're just like, you know, the last thing he expected was to have this close relationship with the grandma. And then they were just kind of like thick as thieves at the end of it. You know, (laughs) like they were just very they got very close And I think um, kind of they're, I don't know, they were just very, again, they were very opposite, but they learned a lot from each other. And I think that that was a really special moment, too. But I really, I mean, man, like the, I I think it's crazy because I, I don't know if I've seen a relationship depicted this way quite as well, where it really is just like, I think another thing I love about Monica's character is how go with the flow, not really go with the flow, but kind of like rolling with the punches that she is like as much as she's like, I don't want to be in this situation. I don't like it here. I don't want this to be what we're doing and where we're at. But she was like, "Okay, like I'm going to my job. I'm doing my job like, okay, there's, you know, issues with the house. Well, we'll improvise. We'll fix it very much just taking taking the challenge head on, and I feel like it was just a really it was a really cool thing to see in their relationship because like instead of as much as you know that she didn't like the house and she didn't like the situation and she would complain about it a little bit, but at the end of the day, she was really trying to do what she could to kind of make it. Less bad for her family, too, and you know, didn't complain about oh, I have to get up and I have to work too. And oh, you know, like she was just really taking care of things as much as she didn't even really want to deal with it, she was really taking care of it, if that makes sense. And you know, she just really was good at rolling with the punches and just kind of accepting like this is where we're at right now, and we have to deal. And you can kind of you slowly see that transition. Like even at the end, even after they've had that really um, big fight where they decide you know they're going to end their marriage, and then they get home, and the the barn is on fire, and what does she do? She yeah. goes in there. She runs in there. She's by his side as much as she does not like what he's doing, and as much as she's not on board with it. At the end of the day, that is her husband. And she's right there next to him. And she's just like, Oh, well, we gotta move all of this stuff. Like this is your this is your work. This is what you work so hard for. We need to move this stuff. Like, you know, she didn't say, I told you so. Why did we do this? Like, look what what are we gonna do now? Like, she didn't do any of that. She was just like, Okay, let's save what we can, you know, and make sure that we're both okay. Like that's kind of what it came down to. And I thought that was really heartwarming because mm-hmm it was really heartbreaking to see them decide like they were going to end that marriage. And for her to say those words to him that she lost her faith in him, can you just like, I mean, you can see just the, the distraught look on his face and how much that just broke him because that yeah. is the last thing he wanted was for his family to feel like he had failed. And for her to just flat out say, like, listen, I lost my faith in you. And that's kind of, I think, why he didn't fight for for her to stay or fight the situation. He was just like, okay, if that's how you feel, then you don't need to be with me kind of thing, you know. And But then at the end of the day, they both realized, like, we're here for each other. We are what we have, and we have to remember that. Even when things are burning to the ground, literally. And um, I just thought that was a really good picture of what a strong relationship is. And I really appreciated that they, they showed that even when you're at your worst and you're kind of almost hating each other, you're at the, at the very last 11th hour, you're there no matter what.
1: Yeah though those are great observations and man like god the final act of this i mean there's so there's a lot going on but just to kind of talk about just why i think this movie is just on another level because it does this sort of thing like like we're all used to it in a script where you know we we, we we've got to get the the characters to their darkest point. And there's got to be a point in the story where the characters are at their darkest point and they got to overcome that in order to get to the resolutions and the lessons and things like that. That is typically what we are used to seeing in movies. And that is just about in every movie you watch, you're going to get some semblance of that formula. But what I loved about this though was that, you know, her with Monica and Jacob and them clashing so much and what they thought was best for the family or what each other should be focusing on this, that and the other. Uh, It's crazy that it all kind of came to a head when actually good things were happening. And I think that's really like the genius of this script. Like they went to the doctor's office and they got a good report on their son the doctor said, Hey, David's heart is doing better. He's, you know, the, the, the hole that was there and the murmur and all that stuff with the heart and the hole that was there is actually getting smaller and whatever you guys have been doing, this has been good for him. He's doing better. He's improving. So you're like, okay, wow, that was, um, that, that was a good thing. And despite that good thing, the mother was very right to be concerned about the fact that you know that Jacob still seemed more concerned with his crops than kind of finding out the yeah. the, the, the 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 diagnosis of the son. So she was really focused on that. Then, um, then what then what happens? Those crops that he saved, they go to a Korean food shop Mm -hmm. and the guy agrees to to take Jacob's produce. He agrees to buy it. He agrees that, okay, you know, um, I'm going to take. He liked the produce. He was like, okay, let's begin next week. And Jacob got his first deal. So he was like, all right, you know, we're doing business. I got something. I got this business going. So I love that in the moments of things looking up for this family then they hit you with what is the darkest moment and it's that conversation that you're talking about where where yeah. even though those things were good there was still nothing had really been solved there there was still those um points of contention with Monica um Jacob still really hadn't learned his lesson because he was putting too much focus on the the business and what he was doing. And he was sort of like losing those bonds and those connections with his family, which is what Monica's concern was. And even though, and she was so concerned about that aspect of it that she couldn't see that things were actually getting better for them. So it was almost like, you know, both of these characters are blinded by certain things and they can't, see eye to eye. And so when you get to that volatile point, it's just, it's just such a heart wrenching moment. Like you said, whenever she said, I've lost faith in you, even those things seem to be looking up, you know, but she was already at that place. She was already at that mindset, the things that concerned her, she could see them. And these good things happening, don't fix those things. And that's such a very real thing, you know, like, To me, that was so powerful, just even beyond what the characters were going through. That's a very powerful message about how, you know, financial success doesn't fix everything. Mm -hmm. You know, your health and things going well for your family in some regards doesn't mean that the problems are solved. You, You know, typically... Those things would be things we would see at the end of a movie and go, all right, this family's going to make it. But that wasn't the solution for this family. Both of them had to, the parents had to arrive to a certain place and come to a certain agreement. And they hadn't got there yet, despite those good things happening. So that was great. I, I thought that that was just Wonderful. That was just very insightful to me. And like you said, what it took was this burning—you know, this barn burning by the the grandmother. And 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 it was no coincidence that the gram, even though that was an accident, the the grandmother was was walking around this family, teaching them lessons left and right. You know, l- l- like like that was the thing with the little boy and the snake, and he was trying to. To to throw the rocks at the snake when they were out the, outside in the forest or whatever mm-hmm. and scare yeah. the snake away and that whole lesson that that wisdom you know every now and then she had her ways about her and she was eccentric and weird and not a real grandma in the in the kids eyes but man when it was time to lay down that wisdom she mm-hmm. laid it down you know that part about you know no it's better to be able to see the snake and yeah. because when you hide things. It's the hidden things that really are the scariest, most damaging things. And like that's I I mean, I I mean, I can't tell you how profound something like that is like, I mean, that can relate to so many things. When you hide your truths from people and your family members and things like that, it strains your relationships, when you hide how you really feel, when you hide Mm -hmm. your actual emotions or what you're trying to do from each other, it can make things worse. The things that you can't see, the things that you're not, that are building up inside of other family members that you can't see are often the things that really can tear apart and do away with the family. So that was a very like Profound thing that the grandmother said. And so, here, when we get to the burning barn, even in that accident of her doing, of her burning that barn, that was what it took for both Monica and Jacob to kind of learn that lesson. Because, like you said, Monica going in there and trying to help David. I mean, sorry, Jacob preserves some of his crops and stuff like that. Even though this barn is burning and she's coughing and can barely breathe, Mm -hmm. she's doing what she can out of love to try to protect his crops because she knows that that's important to him. She knows that he was really trying to do that for the family. Innately, she knows why that was important. And then, so, that character kind of crossed over into a place where she really wasn't too fond of the farming and wasn't really caring about that. There, she showed a real care in that yeah. when that barn was burning. And then on top of that, you have Jacob. You know, he was in there trying to save the crops and everything like that. But when his wife was in there and it looked like maybe mm-hmm. his wife wasn't going to make it, what did he do? He grabbed her and he got out of there. And yeah. it was almost like, Even in the darkest moment for these, for this family, they both came to that realization what was really important. And so like the next scene where they're all sleeping together on the floor and they're all side by side sleeping together on the floor, nobody was saying anything. There was no dialogue to explain it to you. But wasn't that just a powerful image, just seeing them together you know, together. That was the most together this family had been. And you could yeah. tell just in that scene that we had gotten where we needed to get, that the lessons had been learned and that we were going to be better for it. You, you could just tell by that one scene right there.
0: Yeah, they were just, they became more aligned than they thought that they could ever be because yeah. they, they're, most important thing really was what should have been most important to both of them. And they realized that the same things were priority for them. So it was, exactly. it was a really cool thing to see that I totally agree. That was a really powerful picture of it. And even at the end too, when he's trying to just find a new place to start building a new farm area for these, um the crops and everything. And, She's right there next to him. Monica's like helping. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, let's yeah. check this area here. And so even though it doesn't give you that like they lived happily ever after, you you get this hopefulness at the end of it that, like, okay, they 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 might be okay. Like that maybe that unfortunate incident with the barn is like the wake up call that both of them needed to get back to first things first, you know. And I think that it was just like and and I will say that that's probably if I did have any complaint about this movie, it was the fact that I do think the ending was very abrupt. Like it was just I didn't expect that that was going to be the end when it ended. So Uh (laughs) if, if there's anything from it that I would I would say I would change, it would just be like, yeah, maybe just extend like a few more minutes so you could see a little bit more of the family being a family together, but happier. Um, you know, and I just think that, that would have been kind yeah. of a cool thing, like not necessarily saying everything's perfect again, but just seeing a little bit more of them kind of like that moment right before when they're all, you know, sleeping in the living room together. Um, just seeing a little bit more of that after all of this had happened and, and just, just to show like, you know what, like we're not completely there yet, but we're getting there. And that's, that's really the only thing I probably would have changed about this movie, but. Even still, like just up to the very end, like how they're just lessons after lessons in this movie, you know, and the Minari um plants and everything and and even um Jacob realizing like, yeah, your grandma was actually right, like basically saying, I'm not always right with what I think is the best thing, because if I had maybe just listened to your grandma, I would have seen that this was a good place to plant these, and things like that where. You know, I think he, you just see that they're, they're growing. You see that they're learning these things. Um, And, and I think it really is. I mean, it's kind of the best ending you can really hope for, for it. And yeah, it just, it, it was just a really very meticulously planned movie. They, they just really, there was just something about how very natural this whole story felt. Just the flow of it and everything that happened. And it just seamlessly transitioned from scene to scene, like, you know, kind of like everyday life. It just seamlessly goes from one thing mm-hmm. to another, just like life does. And just like, you know, you have your good days with the family, you have your bad days with the family. And it was just so genius how they just put this whole movie together, honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you made a lot of great points there. And just like some of what you said, and yeah, I get, I definitely get that ending is a little bit more on the ambiguous side. It doesn't right. kind of give you those definitive scenes to where, you know, okay, the family is okay. And all of that kind of stuff. You're right. They, they just kind of basically use that the Minari, the, the the Minari reference was I guess they felt that that was, I guess, the way for you to know that the family was going to be okay. Because, you know, the grandmother said all that stuff about, like, oh, the Minari tree. And it it can grow in any kind of setting that mm-hmm. it's in. And whether you're rich or poor, people can enjoy it. It can be put in anything. It can adapt and stuff like that. And essentially, that is where the family needed to be in order to be able to adapt. They needed to be like this Minari tree. And I guess it was their way of saying, look, they are going to grow. They are going to flourish. Whether they're rich or poor, they understand what the importance is now. And I think that that's Mm. kind of, like you said, when you see Monica going and helping to try to find the water, she realized that yes, you know, the family being together and us being uh, with each other and loving each other is important. But a part of that love is I have to be supportive. I have to want to help. I have to want this to succeed as much as Jacob does. I have to be more involved that I can't be against him. I have to be for him because that's going to keep this family together. That's a part of this togetherness that Mm -hmm. I want this family to have. And then on Jacob's end, um, yes, I have to have my goals and my ambition and stuff like that. But that isn't the most important thing. Me succeeding is at a job or financials is not the most important thing. I need to succeed at being a father. I need to succeed at being a husband. I need to succeed at loving them Mm -hmm. and being more attentive to them and their needs and communicating better with them and being more honest with them, you know, like the grandmother, don't hide things. You know, I need to be more in tune with my family and communicate and bond and connect with them because the moment I start, you know, focusing too much on this and losing those connections, whether I'm successful or not, I've already lost them. Mm -hmm. And, And that's what he had to realize, you know, because even though things started getting better, the sun was getting better. I got that deal with my crops. I was still losing them. So I love that, how they just took what seemed like positive situations and, and they were still being driven apart. And what it took was the crisis of that burning building to really bring them together. So, I, I mean, again, that's just such a great contrast, but yeah, like, like you said, I think that, um, a lot of that is encapsulated in the ending, but yeah, it's a little ambiguous. I could see people walking away from the ending and going, okay, so, um, okay, I get it. The Minari tree, but um, were they okay? But, uh, did yeah. did he wind <laughs> up, you know, did he wind up being successful? Are they in a house now? You know what? You know, and so I get that that aspect of it too, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, and with a story like this, it's it makes sense that it's not gonna be a neatly wrapped up story because everything was very all over the place because that's family and that's relationships. It's like, yeah, we're fine now. We'll see how it goes. Like, so I get that with the way that they were playing out the story, why they wouldn't tie it up in a neat bow. But I I just think that there was just the sweet moment of how they were with each other when that fire was happening and just Something like that, I think, really changes your mindset. You know, I feel like it it really it was a reset button for them. And I just think it was. Yeah, I think seeing a little bit more of them coming back to maybe figuring out who they were before all of this or before they let dreams get in the way or grudges get in the way. Just kind of seeing that reset button go back to them, how how they were when they first fell in love or just seeing like, what, what does life look like now that we're supporting each other and we're on the same page with this and getting back to, you know, this being the most important thing. Like just wanting to see a little bit of what that reset button did for their relationship beyond just that fire. But I get why they didn't. It's just personal preference because I do love a good, like, you know, ending to... A story like that. But because I like the hopefulness of like, oh, it looks like they're going to patch things up and they're going to be fine. You know, the that side of me that wants to see that. But, um, you know, and, and just because I think, like we were saying earlier, that's such a relatable thing where you can have all of these ups and downs with family or relationships or whatever it may be. But there can be just that pivotal moment that really resets and reprioritizes everything for you. And I've seen it before with people where it's just like, everything is different now that I've experienced this. Like whether it's a near death experience or losing a loved one or whatever it may be, there's a reset button that makes you be like, okay, I need to change some things in my relationships. And, and it's kind of a, a beautiful thing to see when when you see some light bulb go off that says this needs to change. And it just would have been really cool because I feel like so much of this story was about constant change for this family that it just would have been cool to see at the end there, like that the change helped them grow together like the Minari plant, you know?
1: No, no, that de- I definitely get that. Yeah, those are um all good points. And I and I totally see where you're coming from. And yeah, It just also too just kind of it it, it reminds me of kind of that lesson in the soul movie. You know, your your spark is not your purpose. You know, your passion Mm. doesn't mean that 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 is the purpose of you, even though you may be passionate about these things that doesn't. That doesn't have to encompass your entire purpose or your family's purpose or anything like that. Right. So if you can understand those greater things that you need, like just the the bonding and the sense of family and supporting each other and things like that, rich or poor, you're going to flourish. You know, whether or not you you have all the things or some of the things, you're going to be able to live. You're going to live um, a thoughtful life like the Minari tree. And so it all kind of goes back to that. And if you think about Jacob, that's what it was. He had this spark that he wanted to be this farmer and make it and wanted to live the American dream, but it started to, but it consumed him. He thought that was his purpose, but his purpose is to be a loving husband and a father. And that doesn't always mean Mm. financial success, you know, or like the wife. She just wanted, you know, her and that's what and, you know, that was kind of her spark, the togetherness and the family and taking care of people and stuff like that. She was always just so concerned about her family. But and, and she thought that was the purpose, you know, but there's another part of it too. You know, you got to support those ventures. You got to, you you got to be involved with, um, w- w- with what's going on, um, financially and the passion projects and stuff like that. You, you know, you also want some involvement in that too. You know, that's, even if that's not what you think the, even though that you may not think that's part of your purpose, it's mm-hmm. very much as part of it, too. It, it, it's very much part of it, too, you know, in a union, in a husband and wife union, what your kids are going through, a, 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 their worries, their concerns, et cetera, you know. So I think it's just all kind of there, you know. It, like you said, it's all... Uh, just kind of caps encapsulated in there. And um, I keep forgetting, I feel like I'm leaving something out. Oh yeah, cliches. Just little, mm. and this is just, this will be quick, but just little things that they did that I just thought were cool was like, most of the time in a movie like this, where you have, you know, immigrants of a different culture and they're trying to come to America and stuff, you know, one common theme is intolerance. And I like how this movie... Yeah chose not to really depict that you know all the people they interacted with were tolerant people you know they went to the church and for the most part had a good time and yeah there were kids who were saying offensive and hurtful things kind of and stuff like that but you got the sense that they're kids they don't know what they're saying they don't know and for the most part yeah and for the most part the children still got along with the kids even though that was a little awkward at first They didn't try to make it about these stereotypical things. Oh, they're going to come to this town and nobody's going to want them here and everybody's going to hate them. That's just not everybody's experience, you know? And that's not what this movie was about. So it was kind of refreshing to not have to sit through that tape. You know what I mean? It was just, to me, I just thought that was great.
0: And it was almost too, like, I feel like there's a lot of symbolism and maybe not, but... I feel like that, that scene, too, when they go to that church and they they have the whole family stand up and, you know, he's like, oh, is there any visitors? And the whole family stands up. I feel like in that moment, like, I, I don't know, I feel like you realize that Jacob, maybe the reason he's so a, a big part of why he wants to be living this American dream is because he he doesn't he, he wants to blend in, you know? He doesn't, he doesn't want to be called out for being something different. He wants to have the same opportunity and be treated the same way as anybody else in America. And I feel like in that, yeah, in that moment when it's, when, you know, they're just like, oh, stand up. And then you could see just, he's so uncomfortable. I mean, they're all uncomfortable, but I feel like his reasoning for that is because he's like, oh, like I, this is not what I wanted. I didn't want to be singled out for being different than you all. And probably Monica's mindset was more of like, you know, I I just don't want to be feeling more secluded and more of an outsider because I don't know this culture as well, you know? And I I just feel like they were uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for different reasons, but just knowing Jacob's whole purpose of what he's doing, it just feels like You know, he loves America and he loves the opportunity it gives, and he just wants to be treated the same way as everybody else in America.
1: Yep. Yep. Another great point. See, like, we could just go on forever. Like, this movie, there's so many layers. There's just so much. Like, it just makes me feel like I'd probably need to watch it again. I know. So (laughs) that I could, I'm probably going to catch. Yeah. Just so I can catch. All the things that I missed, because I'm sure there's more stuff that we missed. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, there's probably an hour more of stuff that we missed. But, um, but, but I think we we really covered a good chunk of it. We I think we nailed the a lot of the main symbolism in it. We talked about the ending. Um, yeah, I think we broke down a lot of the characters that were really pivotal to this. So I feel like we did it justice. But uh, any further thoughts on Minari before we move on?
0: No, I just, I feel like whatever we didn't discuss, like the stuff that we didn't catch is probably what Sterling caught. (laughs) So if he were on, he probably would have completed all the thoughts that could be about it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, he just thinks differently and sees things a little differently from us oftentimes. So, yeah, I imagine that there were some things in here that he either would have appreciated or he could have brought some... Critiques, too, or maybe some things we didn't even consider, but so, yeah, you know, maybe we'll have to in a later episode, maybe if we're doing a year retrospective or something, maybe um he'll get a chance to say if he liked or hated this and <laughs> if he got anything right. from it, so
0: yeah, but other than that, i am I have all my thoughts out, so yeah,
1: okay, I guess it is time to hit that sound for the transition, then
0: oh yeah.
1: All right. So now the second part of this big Oscar movie double feature. So now we are going to be talking about the father. So this has um, Anthony Hopkins, sir, Anthony Hopkins. Let me correct that (laughs) because Sterling would correct me if I was... (laughs) If he was here, he would have definitely corrected me. It's Sir Anthony Hopkins, um, and uh, I, I, and um, I guess for non spoiler, I guess you went first last time, so I guess it's only fair that I go first this time. Yes. So when it comes to the father, um, th- this definitely was a, a a surprise for me. I when I saw the previews of this, and, and I and I think I only saw like just a small teaser for this. I just kind of envisioned what I thought this was going to be, you know, a father kind of at the end of his life. And it's about how the family has to deal with him and maybe um, in particular, a daughter and kind of that struggle and their realizations made and stuff like that. So I kind of went in thinking that this was going to be some sort of formulaic movie. And then when they started getting all the Oscar buzz and all of that stuff, and then I believe Anthony Hopkins did win for Best Actor, right? Yeah, that was mm-hmm. like one of the big news stories because a lot of people were kind of rooting for Chadwick Boseman, but Anthony Hopkins took it. So then I was like, huh, well, perhaps I'm wrong. Right. You know, if all these critics and all these people are saying that this movie is great, well, perhaps I was My initial thoughts were wrong about this movie. And I will say that I was um, pleasantly surprised by this. I thought that this was... um, It's a very tragic, in a way, kind of a heart-wrenching movie, um, in a way. But, um, and I don't know if I've quite seen... I mean, I've seen movies where... The story is told from characters who have mental issues and different things like that. But I don't know if I've seen a movie crafted quite like this, where it the movie is told from the perspective of the person who has dementia. So this... It's a very interesting movie because there's kind of this ongoing mystery of you trying to figure out what's real, what isn't real. Who are the real characters and who are the characters that we're just seeing here and our main character, Anthony Hopkins, thinks that they're real, but, they're, but, but are they actually real? What elements of the story are true and not true? Like, it really kind of takes you on this mind bender where you're putting these scenes together and, you, and you're constantly trying to figure out what's real and what's not. Are we really in this place or are we really not? Different things like that. And I, and I feel like it does it, though, in a very excellent way. It's not done in a way to where it's a mystery more than it's done in a way for you to kind of feel what it must be like for a person experiencing dementia. And of course, um, you, you know, if you don't know about um, d- dementia, that this is one of the things, you know, there's all kinds of things that go on with the disoriented. You could be disoriented. There's a lot of stress that can be involved with dementia, but memory loss is another a big thing with dementia, and so with this character, um, w- with the character Anthony, who, I, yeah, that's oh yeah, I'm just now realizing that An- his, na- his, <laughs> his the, name the name is actor's Anthony. name is Anthony Hopkins, the character's name is Anthony in this, so makes it pretty easy. But with the character Anthony in this, that's what you're getting. You're you're getting scenes where you're wondering, okay. Are we seeing a different thing because he lost his memory? Are we seeing this because right now he's kind of in a disoriented state? Is this vision something, a a memory that he's holding on to? You you know, you're asking yourself all of these questions, and sometimes you are exactly like the character. You're frustrated, or you're confused, or you're like, man, I'm not sure if this is real or not, or I'm not sure who the real person is. And I think that that was kind of like the beauty of this film. It really kind of puts you in that seat of someone who has dementia. But also with that, though, the acting performances really are top notch. I mean, I mean, Sir Anthony Hopkins, man, dare I say this might be one of the best roles I've seen a man like I really think he was just great here there were there was such there was such a range of emotions with this character and i'll get into more detail of like just all the emotional range that this character needed to have what this script demanded of anthony hopkins and i really just feel like he absolutely delivered when when he had to be charming there was a bit of charm when he was when he had when he needed to be condescending and hurtful he was When he needed to be defenseless and helpless and tragic, he was. So I really think that all of that um, really comes across in here. And Anthony Hopkins wasn't alone. Olivia Colman, who I am just beginning to love. I mean, I loved her in The Favorite. I mean, just about every movie I see Olivia Colman in, she's just great. And I'm used to her being more funny and different things like that uh, man, this was more of a dramatic role for her. And she was great in this as this daughter who's trying to take care of her father and just all of the range of emotions that she had to show in this and all the conflict and feelings and, um, and just that obligation and that sense of, um, wanting to please your parents and, you know, wanting to, not disappoint your parents and things like that. You know there are all kinds of themes like that in this film, and Olivia Coleman is great. I, I really think that this was a noteworthy supporting actor or I guess actress performance from her. So I thought that she did great, and really I think that those two are the crux of this film. The other characters are are are, are good too, but they're more or less minor characters. They pop in and out. Different things like that. But really, this is a vehicle for Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. And I do think that they both shine um, in their roles in this. So, all in all, again, I-, I can understand why this got the attention of the Oscars. I can understand why Anthony Hopkins won. I'm not going to say that I definitively think it was the best role. But I can definitely understand. This is the kind of role that can land you an Oscar. So it's no surprise to me that he got one. Um, Yeah, this is a movie, especially if you've got a family member or know somebody who's gone through something like this. I really think that this was very reflective and it is an eye opener as to trying to give you perspective on what going through a disease like this must be like.
0: Yeah, I I think that oh I don't know Olivia Coleman is an absolute gem. I love her. I think she's fantastic. Um, I just think she's so versatile in what she can do. Like, and and you mm-hmm. see her, you see her outside of her roles that she plays, and she's just this very like fun loving, you know kind of silly, but just very sweet person, you know. And I mean bubbly. She's very yes, bubbly. Bubbly is the too. word. Yes. Um, you know, and it's just so funny because she plays some intense roles too, because I've seen her in a couple of things. She was in The Crown. She played Queen Elizabeth. Um she was in, you know, the favorite. And um yeah, as Jasmine mentioned, she's in this um this show called Broadchurch. Um And she's in that, and she's phenomenal in that. She's just, she kills everything that she does. Like, she kills it in everything. Um, I actually would love to see just, like, a straight comedy with her. Um, You know, because she's always got, like, funny moments when you see her, but just, like, a straight-up comedy. And maybe she's done that before. I just haven't seen her in one. But I think that that would be really fun. <laughs> um
1: yeah, I'd be down for that.
0: Right. She would just be able to carry that like nobody's business. She's so like she is a just a gem of an actress and a talent. She's so great. So I I expected great things from her. I expected great things from Anthony Hopkins. I mean he's been around forever doing this and he and you're right. I think that this might be one of his um for me at least one of his more memorable roles that he's done. And I mean, he, he did a great job, you know, he did a wonderful job um, as this character. Um, for me, I, I will say, I am I, a little conflicted with this movie because I love, I love the idea that they gave of let's tell it from the perspective of Anthony's character. Um, let's tell it from his perspective so that you can kind of be through his eyes and what he sees the world as. And I think that that's a really interesting thing that they did. And it was, it was creative. And it really, once you know that that's what they're doing, you're like, oh, wait, was none of that real? So what really did happen? And, you know, you just, it really is a game of trying to say, okay, so these fragments of things that we're seeing from his perspective until, you know, until it um, goes to a different scene, you're you're really just trying to be like what's going on here and as you know as you could, it just it really is it's interesting in that way but i also part of me feels like it was a little bit too slow for me like it it was a, an interesting idea because in every scene when things got switched up i wanted to know what was going to happen but i feel like a lot of the in between stuff lagged a little bit um and it's it did its job, I guess, with what they did with the story, because I will be honest, I was getting a little bit frustrated at this movie <laughs> in the sense of I I wasn't getting answers to what I was wanting to know and the frustration of like, OK, wait, so this is what I thought was real, but maybe it's not real or maybe it is. I don't know. And so it definitely did its job because I was getting frustrated at it. And then when you see that happening more, you realize, oh, that's what they're trying to do. They want you to understand that perspective of Anthony and it's creative. And I really appreciate that. I don't know if I appreciate, I I guess I didn't care as much for the way that it was executed because it was getting to the point where it was, it was too hard to follow for me in some areas, maybe not too hard, but it was just, it, it was work following it, if that makes sense. And I, I, I mean, it's, it's less of a problem for me now that I look back and I'm like, that was totally why they did it. It was on purpose. They wanted you to be confused. They wanted you to be frustrated with him. And when I understood that, I was like, okay, I get a little bit more of why I was feeling that way. But I just think that it, it kind of took away from me. From the overall movie, because it, it's just it's one of those where with a movie like this, I kind of I I want to know what the actual scenario is. I want to know what the actual reality of everything is, and um, so for me, it, it kind of was a little bit too much of. I wish I would have been able to follow it better than I was able to follow it, um, even though it was intentional with how they wrote it, but for me, I, especially with a, with a movie, with a film, I, I want to be able to have an understanding of what's going on, at least by the end of it all, you know? So, um, that was kind of my issue with it. But I mean, I, again, though, kind of like what you were saying, Justin, like it is phenomenal acting, excellent, excellent acting. And it was very beautifully shot as well. Um, and it just, it's a very interesting and unique concept and I appreciate that about it, but I just, the way they executed it didn't keep me as interested in it as I wanted to be. If that makes sense.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that. It definitely is a movie where you, you do have to kind of, uh, you know, you kind of have to hang there for a while until it finally starts to kind of reveal some answers. And yeah, there is really a long period of you kind of wondering what's real and what's not. Should I be paying attention? Should I not? And sometimes, yeah, depending on how those movies are executed, uh, you know, you are, you, I could see how there could be people that look at it and go, well, it, it, why, you know, I still, maybe it should have given me more definitive answers or if it could have found a way to reveal a couple of more things to me, um, sooner, or if I didn't have to wait to the end to find this out, then, you know, maybe I could have, if, if I knew that I was going to get these certain parts at the end, maybe I would have paid more attention to some of the things that happened in the middle. And it would have meant a little more to me, but I didn't know I was looking for those things. So I wasn't, you know, you know, I could see there being people who maybe by the the time they get to the end, even though um, a a few more things make sense and a couple of things are put into perspective, I could see someone um, watching this and finding that frustrating. And and some people, you know, it's kind of like a painting, right? Like different people can look at a painting and see different things, mm-hmm. while some people may fi- see the frustration and stuff like that, and look at it as more of a like an artistic thing. Like, oh man, they I felt this way because Ant- because Anthony feels this way, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing because that's artistically what you wanted the audience to feel. But there are just going to be people that say, well, I don't want to be ever want to feel frustrated in the movie. I want to, you know, I want to be able to empathize with the character, but I don't want to be frustrated because I can't f- easily follow the story. And that frustration shouldn't be the, that's not the frustration that the character is feeling. That is just me frustrated about the movie. Mm. So I'm not going to equate that to the artistic choice. So I, I get it. You know, I, right. I, I, I totally get and,
0: yeah. I mean, I completely think the artistic choice to do it that way. I, I really, really did enjoy that they did it that way. And and it doesn't take away at all from like anything that this movie did as far as what the story was about and anything like that. It's it's just one of those where in stories like this, I, I do appreciate seeing the perspectives of characters, but I I guess I also just like at the end. Being able to know, or kind of it be revealed, what was the actual reality of it, and and I guess again, artistic choice of they don't want you to know the reality because he still doesn't, and so I get that, but I guess I just was like oh, I just really wish I know, I wish I knew who was who and what actually. Was going on and what actually was just him misremembering stuff. You know, I just, I feel like, um, I, it's just hard. And that's why I'm conflicted because with everything that they did, like, why, why I feel the way I feel is because they wanted me to feel that way. So it's just a very, it's very conflicting for me. I don't know.
1: No, I, I definitely get that. And, um, and I think, the, um, whenever we get into the spoilers section, I mean, I kind of looked at, I mean, I guess I'm not going to say it's like Minari or anything like that, but there definitely are some things to unpack and some things to unravel. Um, I don't think it's as well crafted of a film as Minari, but similar to Minari, there are a lot of things beneath the surface. I think that the movie is trying to reveal to you and different things like that. And then... um, I almost feel like I feel like that I came up with this method where if you watch the movie this way I think it might make more sense to you if you watch it a certain type of way because I watched it twice and the second time I did feel a little more confident um okay. in, in, in what I was watching and then I also read kind of some fun fan theories that I think might be fun to just kind of talk about to see if we agree or disagree
0: but yeah.
1: I read an interesting theory and I was like hmm you know, and, and I don't know, that might actually just play more to your argument that nothing was clear. But either way, <laughs> if that's the the <laughs> point that we arrived to, I, I think it'll be fun but uh, I think nonetheless.
0: You, I think you make a, um, I don't know, like, I just, I feel like you, you do make a good point, though, about like, I don't know. It, it's, it's just one of those where it, it wasn't as well crafted for sure, but it's, again, it is also it's also preference. Right. So it's, it's just a matter of like, some people love that ambiguity and some people like, they're like, no, I love that. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure what, what I was seeing, you know, I think, and, and again, I think it just, for me is more of, and I know we'll talk more about this probably a little bit in, in the spoilers, but like, I just, it's hard for me, I guess, to either relate to or empathize with or, um, Anything like that, or root for certain characters when they're switching up so much that I I don't know what their actual personality actually is. And I think a lot of storytelling for me is I I want to find things and characters that help me understand them, or just that make me connect with them, or want to know what's going on with them. And I think just because characters and personalities were switching up so much, intentionally so it made it hard for me to have like a, a strong like stance on how I felt about any specific character other than Olivia Coleman's character, who was pretty consistent. Um, you know, and Anthony Hopkins, like, of course you, you, you empathize with him or you sympathize with him. But, um, as far as anybody else, any other supporting players, mostly it's just hard because, you're you're not sure what to believe about the characters, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and I get what you're saying. It was just hard to invest in certain characters and certain things because you just weren't sure how real they were. So why should I invest in them? So yeah, I, I totally get yeah. um
0: and watching it a second some time of that. probably was a good call because it, I I was thinking about that too. When, when I knew we were talking about this movie, I was like, I bet if I watched it again, I would either pick up more stuff or maybe, you know, catch some things maybe I didn't catch before. And um, so it is one of those where I feel like on a rewatch, maybe a little bit more of it might be um, understandable to me or, or just a little bit more of like, okay, like I get why this was happening. On a rewatch. So it's probably good that you watched it twice.
1: Yeah. And I think that you and Sterling have made this point before, too, though. But if the movie requires you to watch it a second time, or requires <laughs> right. you to have to do homework or things like that, or requires you to ha- kind of have to go extra in order to figure it out, then is it really good if I couldn't get it all on the first watch? Right. So there is that aspect of it too. But, but that's why having differing opinions is good because I could see people falling on both sides um, of that argument. But now yeah. I'm excited to get to the spoilers. So yeah, yeah. Um, we need to just,
0: uh, you know, do, but it. yeah,
1: but yeah, real, real quickly, uh, recommendations and score jingle.
0: <laughs> recommendations and, and
1: score. Okay. I guess it is me going first. Um feels so
0: powerful with yeah. these um sound bites, though. Anyways, go ahead. I know.
1: <laughs> I know. Like they're they're like, man, it just gets you hyped. Like when I hear it, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm ready to do this recommendation. Um uh but but no, I, I do recommend this movie. I think that if you're a fan of Anthony Hopkins or Olivia Coleman. This is a must-watch because this is just two great, you know, a Hall of Fame-worthy, legendary, I mean, sh- who, w- which will sure be legendary, actor and actresses just doing their thing, man, and really just um, immersing themselves in these roles. So I think that if you are just... um A person who appreciates movies with great acting and drama, this is definitely one of them. Uh, If you're someone who has the unique perspective, maybe you've dealt with a family member who's had dementia or you've gone through um, something like similar to this or something like that. I just think that this is a movie that can provide a unique perspective. So I would recommend it for those reasons, too. Um, and then i I just think that um, even though like I do feel that of the two movies we're talking about today, Minari is a superior movie, I still feel like this is really good, like I still feel like it's really good it's it's a uh, it's a solid movie. It 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 tells the story from a unique perspective. It has solid acting performances. And I just think that it is um the the sum of its parts is is really good. And and I can understand why Anthony Hopkins won it. I really do feel like he acted his tail off here. And man, by the time it gets to the end, there is just some real like heart-wrenching like scenes going on and he really just tapped into a place that i don't often see him go in, in this film so i think that if you're definitely if you're a fan of him uh you should watch it um i'm going to go with let's see man what do i give this as a score yeah, I mean, there are some scenes that I didn't like, and I wonder if it should have been in the movie. So, yeah, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm going to I think I can knock off at least 10 points for that. But I still think it's very good. I think the it's above average quality acting storytelling. So, yeah, we're going to go with 90, um, 90. Um, wow. I just based on what I should give this we'll go I'll, I'll just be simple 90 leaves fallen from the tree out of 100
0: <laughs> okay yeah i just it's i'm i'm still so conflicted with my feelings on this movie <laughs> um i i would say i agree with you that it's um if you're a fan of anthony hopkins or even Olivia Coleman, you know, watch it to see their great performances because there's absolutely nothing wrong at all with that because their performances are solid. Um, I mean, and honestly, I think I I do think I lean more towards I would recommend it mostly because I, I want other people to kind of see if they understand it (laughs) you know like not not to say like oh none of it's understandable but just saying like just to see what your take on a movie that's coming from this perspective and told in the way it is how how do you feel about that like what do you go away feeling after seeing a movie like this because like jason said too there are some very heartbreaking moments in this um but there you know it's there's there's a lot of different emotions that you feel from this movie but i think i i would i would be curious to know how other people feel about the way the perspective of this movie and how you felt leaving it so that is going to be my main reason for recommending it because you know i want to know if i'm alone in that or if you know if if maybe it's just me and if it is you know Hey, that's, that's cool with me. Like I, cause again, I've said, I think if I rewatched it, maybe I would feel a little bit differently, but, um, I, I do, I would just be curious to know, yeah, the, what other people would think about a movie from this perspective. Um, but again, there, are, there are just, some, I guess maybe, yeah, just the, a couple of issues, of course, that I do have with it and, um, Things like that. I I I guess I would probably give this, um, Yeah, I'll go like a, I'll give it like a 70, 70 missing watches out of 100. It's hard to give Good a score one. for this one for me. This is the hardest time I've ever had trying to figure out a score. Because it's not like I hate <laughs> the movie, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. not like I'm like, this is a dumb movie. Um, While it was a little bit slower in some parts, like it's not enough for me to be like, oh, this is terrible. But it's also not quite middle of the road because it's just I've never seen anything like this. And that, I think, kind of gives it a little bit of an edge more than I would normally give a score for this movie because Mm -hmm. of the fact that I've never seen anything like it. in in the sense of how the perspective and how they told this story. And I'm not saying it's like, you know, there's similar movies that do something like it, but just, it's not quite the same. If you get what I mean with it, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is, I think this is going to be fun trying to break this down or, (laughs) talk about what we think it was and stuff like that it's going to be fun it's making so me a we little ready? bit
0: insecure because I'm like you know and I, I love psychology and like that was what my degree was in so I'm just like I want to be empathetic and I want to you know what I mean like I'm just like oh no should I be feeling differently about this movie <laughs> you know <laughs> but yeah but yes I am I am ready for us to get onto these spoilers if you are
1: yes jingle please spoilers. Okay, we have arrived. Um, God, should I start with the theory or I'll, I'll just reveal that theory that they came up with later. but okay, yeah. so I guess the best place to start is just with how is just the, some of the elements that can sometimes make this narrative confusing. Like, when the movie opens, you're essentially seeing different people play his daughter Anne and Anne's um and Anne's husband Paul. So there are times where uh, um where Olivia Colman is not Anne. Anne is played by somebody else. And then the person and then the actor who we find out is the actual Paul doesn't start that way. It's actually somebody else. Um, uh, somebody else who we don't find out to the end who these people actually are. So there are parts in this movie where we're hearing these names and they're associated with different people. But then there are parts where then we're with Olivia Coleman and she's being called Anne. You know, Anthony, her and Anthony are having interactions and stuff. And she's Anne. And... And then we see Paul, and Paul is a different man. So, just right there, you can see how sometimes the narrative can be confusing because we're calling people who look different by the same names. So, as a viewer, you're sitting there and you're going, okay, who's the real Paul? Who's the real and? Are they both the 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 Paul? Are they both the Anne? are none of them? Like like like, you know, is this there was even a part in it where when when Anthony Hopkins kept mentioning the other sister, and he kept saying, you know, your sister, uh, I don't know where she is, but You know, I know that she's away and on holiday or wherever she is, but man, I really loved her and I loved her paintings and all of this kind of stuff. Like, there are these parts where he's talking about Anne's sister. And then there were, and then the way that Olivia Coleman was acting, like, you could tell when those scenes would happen, like, she and her acting was just so great. You could just tell that when he would mention the sister, how it was kind of ripping her apart. Like she was feeling something emotionally. And I started to wonder, is this the other sister? Is Anne dead? And this actually the other sister? Hmm. Or is or is Anne, y- you know, I, there were parts though, before I knew what was kind of happening, I was like, is this the other sister? You know, or oh, is the sister dead? Or is, you know, is it possible that he thinks this is Anne, but really this is the other sister? You know, there were even parts where I was wondering that, you know, and she just didn't have the heart to tell him or something like that. Like, I was wondering, there were even parts where, because it was showing so many different people represent so many different characters, I was even questioning that for a little bit and then finally i was like oh okay okay i know who i know olivia coleman is and and this guy that we keep seeing in the scenes with um with olivia coleman that's the actual paul and so that's why i said i think um the easiest way to watch this movie is you almost have to divide it into two parts there are the scenes with anthony hopkins which is where all the craziness is happening and the switching of people and the memory loss and the dementia is happening. And then there are the scenes without Anthony Hopkins. And those scenes are the truth. Those scenes you can rely on. Those scenes are not illusions. Those are the 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 that is the character Anne and her journey with Paul and other characters and caregivers and stuff like that. Those are real. The scenes with Anthony Hopkins, though, those are the ones that are gonna be jumbled. They're gonna be crazy. He thinks that we're in his uh what they call flat which is just house apartment i think that's just kind of their term for it but he thinks we're in his flat and all kinds of craziness is going on with that you're seeing different characters played by different people you're seeing different things like you'll see a room and there'll be furniture in it and then in the next scene with anthony hopkins you will still be in a room, but the furniture's moved around differently. There are different pictures up. There's all this crazy stuff, like all these cool little detailed things that they do in the story whenever yeah. you're in a scene with Anthony Hopkins. And I think if you break down the movie that way, you, 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 you'll have this side where it's like, okay, this is the truth, what Olivia Coleman is going through. These scenes right here, this is the truth. And then you have, over here, Anthony Hopkins. And he's got these memories that he's holding on to. These memories that are cherished memories and things like that. But he's not always associating the people in his life with those memories. And by the time you get to the end of the movie, you realize that this other woman who was playing Anne and this other man who was playing Paul, well... One of them is the nurse at the nursing home, and one of them is the uh, is one of the is one of the um, doctors at the nursing home. The male guy is the doctor. So then it starts to become apparent. Okay, so in his dementia, he's he's got this memory with his actual daughter Olivia Coleman, Ann, and Paul. But because of dementia, he's and, and just and the recent people he's interacted with in this in this nursing home those memories and those people are being jumbled together in these memories that mm. um Anthony is trying to hold on to so that so understanding that was a big part of unraveling this mystery at least for me you know
0: yeah no and and that is true like it it's just the one of those where he he remembers the faces or things like that but he's fuzzy on the details or like why he knows them and so yeah i no i think that 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 does help like but it's it's one of those where it's so right at the end where you get that <laughs> that i'm like oh you know you get that little bit of like the light bulb going off but yeah i think um yeah i and and it was just one of those where whatever face you see that he has first associated with a person is kind of at least for me I'm like well that's who is that is that paul is that not paul like it's you know what i mean so it's um yeah but it's it, it is just interesting how um also very opposite some of these personalities are with the the faces that he's associating with them but i do also agree though about um Anne or Olivia Coleman, um, her character, she, every emotion that she wears on her face is so great. Um, like you, you just know that she's like, she wants, she wants her dad's approval. And, and she, you know, just like you see sometimes just the real sadness in her eyes when he doesn't remember stuff. And you also see like Mm. when he's, when he's having a good day or a good moment, or he's being kind to her, like she is just so extra like happy about that, and just you also see how very easily she she gives up having her own normal life to care for her her father, and um when you mention about like he thinks that it's his place, and the fact that really i unless i'm forgetting i don't think she ever mentions like no dad this is my place does she say that at any point or she just kind of lets him lets him be with it
1: i'm trying to remember does she say that to him i know she says it to the caregiver that yeah we've been that that no he's living here i know she says it to the caregiver but i and her and paul um imply yeah. that it's her place but no I don't think she ever says it to Anthony not that I remember
0: mm-hmm. yeah and it just I think that kind of speaks also to like she just you could tell that she she doesn't want to confuse him more by throwing in a wrench to something that he thinks is real but sometimes it's too hard for her and too heartbreaking for her to not clarify it or not tell him that and It's Mm. just, it's so hard to see it because like it's, I mean, having dementia, I can imagine or knowing someone or having a loved one that has that. I just, I imagine that it is as absolutely hard as they portray it to be in this movie. Um, And it's, it's, it's just one of those where, yeah, when they talk about the sister too, and you see her sadness about it, but also her just like, you know, I'm the one that's taking care of you. I'm the one that's here for you. I'm the one that's around, like, why am I not good enough kind of attitude or kind of uh, mentality that she has. And that's also like an an extra layer on top of him having the dementia is just never seemingly approving of her as, as often as he should be or hardly at all, really. You know, there's moments where I think he realizes that he needs to appreciate her more. But you know, in his state of mind, it, it's it's faded away so quickly when he has those moments with her, and um, it just it has to make it really hard for her because she's taking on this whole burden and she's not even appreciated for it. For one, but also even more than that, I think it's just the fact that you know he he's just so un, unstable with how he will be emotionally and that can be super draining on somebody who's looking after him, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And they do so many things with um, Olivia Coleman or Anne in this, like, I-, I remember that just that subtle scene where she's looking out of her window and she's seeing this couple enjoying each other. And mm, yeah, it's almost like she's looking at the life that she wishes she could have, but she can't have it. Because of all this time, she's been taking care of her father in the flat. And, you know, the husband, Paul, um, although sometimes he kind of seemed a little forward or maybe even a little bit selfish. Or sometimes you were like, man, dude, why is he being such a, you know. But I think, really, he did have her best intentions at heart. He was trying to tell her that she needs to let go. That it's time to... A- a- you know, admit that he it's time for him to move to the next stage of his life and everything like that. And you could see how frustrating that was. And, yeah, like you said, just her, whenever she got uh, just an inkling of Anthony's approval, when he said that she looked good, that big smile that she had on her face, whenever he said that to her. And um, when he said, thank you for everything that you're doing, um, man, she would just light up, you know, and and God, Olivia Colman just played that to a T. She would just light up whenever she got some approval from her father. And I think that that's a very real thing. You know, that's a very real psychological thing, too, especially I can relate to, especially growing up. Man, I was always trying to get the approval of my parents. I was a very obedient kid growing up. I just thought that anything they said had to go. And I just, the last thing I wanted to do was disappoint them and even yeah. and a lot of times you know and, and and the people who seem to be able to whose words cut the deepest the people that can sometimes hurt you the worst with what they say are your parents because you care so much about what they think and what they say and if they're disappointed you could be doing as good as you possibly could be. And all it takes is one comment from them or one remark or one look or one cross-examination. And your world is turned upside down and you're like, what? I guess I'm still not good enough. You know, I guess I'm still... You know, I guess I still don't have all the answers. You know, some parents have a way of bringing you down to earth. But I think a lot of that, too, is just because there is just a part of us, even in adulthood, especially if you've had those parents who now, now granted, not everybody has had the same parental experience. Some people are like, man, my parents are not worth any of my emotions. I know that they're (laughs) very much those people that exist. So I'm not speaking for everybody here, but just for those people who have those connections and bonds and who's, who's psychologically, you know, a lot of, for a lot of those kids, who've had parents like that, your, sometimes a lot of your well-being is tied to how much, how pleased, or how proud your parents are of you. And that's something that sometimes sticks to us even in adulthood. Hell, sometimes even when parents have are in the grave, you still hear kids talking about, right. I hope my mom would be proud of me, or I hope my dad would be proud of me. That's a real thing. You know, so, sure, yeah. um, yeah, so, so I'm glad that that was touched on here. And yeah, the, the, the parts where you're talking about with the sister, it, it's really crazy because, like, you know, uh, you could just feel all of this coming from Olivia, from Anne, Olivia Coma, because, like, part of it is hurt because it's like, will I ever, like you said, will I ever be able to, you know, win his approval or yeah. in his eyes will I ever win that approval from him and then there's another part that's got to be well he's sick you know he's got dementia so i can't really take everything that he says too seriously because i know he has an issue i know he has a problem um and then there's another part i think that's like but because he has this problem is he really being honest is this problem you know, making him really express his honest feelings of me. So is this how he truly feels about me? Is this the stuff that I never heard when he was well? Hmm. Is this the truth that I'm hearing now that he's not well? You know, that's a part of it too. So man, you just, you just feel for her. You just feel for her and just all of that, the array of emotions that she was going through. And there are so many times where the movie is good about showing her drop everything to get to her father. She's trying to go shopping and she gets a phone call. I got to drop everything and hurry up and get to the house because of him. You know, there were so many times where you could see her life was put on hold, trying to take care of him. And then the whole time he's just in his own world where he thinks he's in his apartment, and he's, and then there's a part of him that has dreamt up this scenario that she's trying to take everything from him, or she's trying to impose these caregivers on him and stuff like that. And he looks at it as, why is she doing this to me? And really, it was all out of love because she was trying to keep from sending him to a nursing home. So if I can. If he can live with these caregivers, he won't have to go there. And he just didn't see it that way, you know, because of his condition. So just very tragic stuff, you
0: know? And it's interesting because I'm thinking of a scene when the, the, there's a scene between Anthony Hopkins and then one of the girls who comes in that plays the the caregiver, uh, the one that he keeps saying reminds him so much of his daughter, Lucy. And in one of the conversations he's having, you know, it's it's like, it's when he's in his charming mode of, like, you know, having conversation and all these mm-hmm. things. But he says something like, yeah, no, I'm a very intelligent man. Or, you know, he says something like that. And it almost feels like he's trying to convince himself as well. Because I think, you know, he has those moments of realizing, like, he forgets things. And you know what I mean? Like, and he's trying to, to make himself feel like, you know, I, I am the person that I was before I had this disease. And I Mm -hmm. feel like he was doing that in some moments. And it even, even at the end, like when he's in the, um, the, the home and he's talking to the nurse and, um, he keeps saying, you know, or he was like, what's your name? And then she, she was saying her name's Catherine and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, of course. I remember that, you know? And, and it's just like, you know, he didn't actually, but that he, he knew that he should, Remember it yeah, and just moments like that where you feel like he 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 wants to so badly not be confined by or controlled by the sickness that he has, and so he's he's trying to at some points convince himself that it's not the case, and it's I think it's also and and I think that's probably something that a lot of people that might have dementia that probably struggle with that because. They don't want to believe that they don't remember things or that they're losing their memory or confusing things. I mean, who wants to admit that that's what it is? You know what I mean? so I I feel like, um, but just in those moments, and it could have also been when he's talking with the, the, the caregiver at his, what he thinks is his house, um, it could be like maybe that he was thinking he was a younger version of himself at the time. And, and that's just how he spoke and how he was and, you know, how he Mm -hmm. would be with people. Maybe he was thinking he was, you know, in a different time period or whatever. Um, Or it could have been him still just trying to convince her that like, he is not losing his mind, you know? So it's, it's interesting because there are also layers to this movie where, you, I guess you're you're never fully sure what's going on in his mind because he's not even fully sure what's going on in his mind, so you're also trying to figure out who is he who was he before this like what what is true about his life that he's saying is true before he had dementia, and that's kind of why i really um i i the the whole idea of the watch. And the the symbolism of that watch and how he's he's always looking for it or stuff like that where mm-hmm. and and you feel like it's it's such a great symbol of one the the preciousness of what time is to him like how much time does he have yeah. things like that but also the idea of time is being taken from me and that's why he can never find his watch and um, yeah you know not. Yeah, not knowing where the time's gone or not even knowing like what day it is or what year it is or anything like that. And I just think that that was actually a really, really important symbolism that they put in this movie to represent Anthony, Um, because there's just so many things about time in this movie and time lapses and time jumps and um, in general, like how much time do I have with my family or with anybody, Um, you know? And so I just, I I really think that that was a very important um, yet somewhat subtle thing that they put in this film to kind of show you, you know, it's pretty much a complete symbol of Anthony and and who he is. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, you're dead on with that because whether you look at it as He was losing track of time, losing his time. Like you said, all of that is encapsulated in what was going on with that watch. And sometimes he lost it. Sometimes he was the one hiding it and was forgetting where he put Mm -hmm. it, kind of like his memories, you know, storing these memories, but forgetting exactly what they were, who was there, the, the faces of the people. You know, it's a great allegory for what was going on inside of him mentally. And so that so when you look at these scenes, you get the sense that these are all things that he somewhat remembered and cherished. He remembers that talk he had with Anne where she was saying, I'm going to Paris You know, I'm going to Paris and where I'm going to live. I'm moving to Paris. I'm going to live there. He remembers that. He remembers how he felt when that conversation happened. He kind of remembers, you know, that that she was there and they were having a big discussion about how his life was going to change. And he was going to this nursing home. But like I said, it's just even though that memory is there and he's trying to hold on to it. Uh, you know the 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 watch the time is lost the people are lost the 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 exact faces that were there what exactly yeah. was said is a little jumbled like but that how he felt during that memory the fact that that was a memory that he was trying to hold on to was definitely there you know it was definitely there and then like when you think about the medical staff the nurse and how she kind of was with him, like at that that ending scene when he broke down and she was holding him and talking to him about, you know, and kind of consoling him in that moment and stuff like that. You, you get the point that that had not been the only time she had done something like that. You know, you you, you yeah. get the feeling that that doctor had made frequent visits and he probably had, r- r- like you said, even though he didn't remember her name He felt like he should because he probably got the sense that I've had many interactions with this person. And so you could understand in his dementia, maybe her showing up as his daughter because she was a comforting person to him in that mental hospital. So, yeah, you know, if he's thinking about this memory with his daughter, he might see that nurse, you know. Like, like you start to understand maybe why these why he's putting these people with these associating these faces with and or with. And then he taught and then also a, a fun theory that was brought up that that I read was that he's been in the nursing home this entire time. That that was Mm -hmm. another theory that somebody kind of came up with. That's why at the beginning you see the nurse and the doctor as Ann and Paul, because he's always been there. And so these memories, you know, he's been there the whole time. So he's been there for months now. The reason why Ann shows up um, and he thinks that the hospital, the nursing home, sorry, is his flat. So now just like how he thought, that the flat, how that Ann's home was his flat. Well, now he's in the nursing home, thinking that's his flat, and all these memories that he had of being in Ann's flat, they come, they pop up every now and then. And Ann, they said, would make visits to the nursing home from time to time and come see him. So it would make sense that he would have these interactions with Ann, but. Were they ever actually at, you know, but were we seeing um, you know, the 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 parts where he was imagining himself in this flat and everything like that? Were we seeing, were we actually looking at scenes of him in the actual flat of Anne? Or were we in the hospital the whole time? You know, were, were we in the um the nursing home? I keep saying hospital, the nursing home the whole time. And he was just kind of having these memories were all being disjointed within that nursing home, which is why sometimes the the doctor was Paul or the nurse was Ann, et cetera, et cetera. Or why he could see Ann there because she was visiting the nursing home, et cetera, et cetera. So, see, I even thought that was kind of a fun theory, you know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so. I mean, I, because I, I kind of wondered that too, like for the one you were saying where he's been in the, that home the whole time. I wondered that too, but it's just hard to know, <laughs> you know, because like, um, you know, the conversations that he was having with Anne and the first conversation, well, I guess technically, yeah, that first conversation when she mentions that she's going to go to Paris And, um, but then at the end of the movie, when she's sitting with him and she's like, you know, I feel like when I go to Paris, maybe this would be a good place for you to stay, you know? So I guess that's why you don't realize like it, why it feels like maybe he hasn't been there the whole time. But yeah, again, it's weird too, because at one point the nurse tells him, um, like, cause he, doesn't he ask something about like, how long have I been here? And she says it's been several weeks now or something like that. But maybe it was just, yeah. I maybe it was specifically that room or maybe it was just specifically with her. I don't know. So that's why it's, it's hard to know, you know what I mean? Or maybe yeah. she was and trying then, to comfort him by just saying like, oh, it's only been a few weeks. Like, who knows? You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then even when you look in the, his room with the nursing home, there are some familiar pictures in there, like family photos in there. There's kind of some stuff in there that you recognize from the flat. So I, I, I kind of get that theory and where people are coming from. But yeah, like you said, I, I don't know if I 100% agree with that, though, because I do believe that there had to have been some scenes where we were at Ann's flat. You know, those scenes took place, those things, especially like like I yeah. said, when you divide that line, the the, the the talks that she was having with Paul and all that stuff that had to have happened, you know. So there had to be a, a transition point like Anne, at some point had to talk with him and said, OK, I'm going to Paris. This is where you might uh, where you might be able to stay. And of course, they had to have had that that talk. And he had to have been placed there. And I guess what they're saying is when. Like, when you open up the movie, he could have already been there, which is why he saw the nurse's aide and all of them, which does make sense. He had to have been there, right? Like, like at the beginning, he had to have been there. So are we there Mm -hmm. the whole time and we're flashing back to stuff that already happened and it's just... Oh, it's just Anne's memories and his memories kind of coming together, but all that has already happened, and we're in the the nursing right. home when the movie starts because we are seeing the doctor and the nurse as Anne and Paul. So, you know, it's interesting. You know, it's but but it's but it's kind of to your point, like if that's the case, it's not completely clear. And should the movie get points for that, or should it get a deduction for that? You know,
0: <laughs> exactly. It's so conflicting because it's like I get why you did it, but part of me wants it to be <laughs> where it's clear. <laughs> you know, Um yeah. Just tell me what it is. Yeah, exactly. And that was <laughs> another give me the thing answer. That and that was another thing too. Like I was trying to decide if, like, technically, at the end, was that did he die at the end or? Was he just at his, cause I mean, he, he really, his mental state was getting so bad. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I don't know if that was kind of what they were trying to imply, you know, um, when they cut away and they're going to the leaves and all of that, I didn't know if that's what they were trying to imply or not.
1: Yeah. I was kind of like, huh, the leaves. So I kind of looked it up and (laughs) a common thing that happens when a tree dies is that it loses its leaves. And, you know, he had that line where he was like, I feel like I'm losing all my leaves.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. Remember
1: when he kind of said, yeah. So it's like that realization that he is deteriorated. He is dying. You know, he is on the, the verge of death. And what was interesting about that scene is that all of a sudden he went back to almost his most like primal baby instincts where he was just like, I want my mother, you know, I want my mom. It was almost like he had just Uh, almost evolved almost into just an infantile stage where all he wanted was his mom. And I just want my mom and stuff like that. And then what the nurse said there was also very telling. And I did catch this the first time. Um, and, and I think, and when I looked up the stuff about trees and leaves, and leaves, <laughs> leaves falling and stuff, it all kind of made sense because there's a part, because as that's happening and the nurse kind of hugs him, she says, um, you know, it's sunny outside and, and, and I'm abridging because I don't remember all of it exactly, but, but I remember enough of it. She was like, Um, you know, she's hugging him and consoling him. And she says, it's sunny outside. Why don't we go outside and take a walk? And she says something to the effect of, because we don't know how much longer it's going to be like this. The sun is going to be like this. And we want to take it in as much as we can before it's gone. And it's kind of that thing i think of them kind of saying that this is just the natural progression of things we live we get to a point to where we are we 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 can't live that way anymore we're old and we and, and we die and it's almost like we lose our leaves we 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 eventually die and then life kind of goes on yeah. you know other trees grow other trees kind of come into play into the picture and stuff like that and they live their lives it's almost like even though all that was happening to him and it was a tragic realization and we feel for anthony and the you know he feels helpless and there's nothing he can do about it there's still a very just kind of uh I guess I don't know if unbiased is the world, but there's almost kind of like this unrelenting part of nature that is death. And it just happens. It will happen. And there's no way to really avoid that. But what you can do is enjoy what you had. Enjoy those memories that you had. Try to make the best of that time because the time will be because your time will end,
0: you know. Yeah, no, that's true. So, yeah,
1: I think that was just kind of like, and so that's why at the end you just see that tree, and then it's just like this breeze, this kind of foreboding breeze. It's kind of like, you know, life goes on, other trees grow when other trees die, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. So it's sad but true kind of, you know.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean and and again this movie has a lot of layers and it's and like you said at the beginning it's a very tragic story um, you know, about just this this man's mental state and it getting worse, really. So it's it it is it is heartbreaking in a lot of ways and you know, talking through it, you know, I appreciate the little details that they did about this movie. And, um, and maybe, maybe it's just one of those where I didn't like how the movie made me feel at the end, because it's, it it does make you feel confused and frustrated and sad all at the same time. Yeah, And so maybe it's not necessarily like, maybe it is more of just like, I know what I felt, but I just don't like that that was the feeling I had at the end of this movie. (laughs) And so maybe that's why I'm so conflicted on my feelings about this movie because it, it makes you feel a lot of different things, but also not fully getting answers at the same time. Um, Intentionally. So like we've said, but and, and I think that that is where my conflicting feelings about the movie are. Like, just the art, the art form of this, and the the stylistic way that they told, to, they chose to tell the story, is very appreciated. And like, I I can't say that I'm sorry about that part of it because, like I've said, we we have not had a movie that's done it like this before, and really makes you. See that mindset and somebody who's struggling with that um illness and um yeah, so it's 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 one of those where m- conflicting is maybe what they were going for because they it it makes you think it makes you feel those things, and it frustrates you on behalf of people that have this disease so it, I guess it did its job with what it was doing and and again like it's beautiful the movie is shot beautifully you know mm-hmm. um so it's it's um it's a heavy one and it is one of those again like um like you said though and and I think <laughs> I I Sterling would probably agree hopefully on this but you know it it's one of those where you you might have to watch it more than once to catch some of those things which is unfortunate because if they want to be super clear in, in how some of the stuff is going down, you would hope that you can catch it all in one shot but, or in one viewing of it. But um, with this one, you know, going back over it again, I feel like, yeah, you should so that you can catch things you miss. but you shouldn't have to do that, even though you should. You should, you should do it so you can catch it, but you shouldn't have to do it in general, if that makes sense.
1: No, I, I definitely get that, and um, and I haven't read a lot of what other people are saying about this and stuff like that. I mean, sometimes, you know, um, sometimes there, there, there are just. I think that sometimes there are just movies that we 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 understand and comprehend, and then sometimes there are just movies that take a, a second effort. You know, I, I'm not. In the same camp as Sterling sometimes is with that, where he's like, well, if I have to do, you know, and I get it, though, like, I definitely get it. And I've heard that that kind of stance before. Like, if I got to do extra work or if I got to watch it twice in order to get it, then if I couldn't get it the first time, then is it really that good? And I get that. But I also think to that argument, there's also a side where somebody could say, well, if you didn't get it the first time, is that on the movie or is that on you? So I don't know. I think that can kind of get a, a, li- a little messy. Sometimes a movie is only as good as our understanding of it. And I mean, whether it took me two times or three times, if I get it, and I do appreciate it for what it is, then, I mean, is that just okay? Whether it took me 10 times, you know, if it took me 10 times to watch the matrix to understand it does, and I appreciate, and I arrive to the point that I appreciate it. Um, You you know, and I say that it's a good movie. Is that that just as okay as the person who watched it the first time and got everything and thought that it was okay? If we both arrived to the same place, is it okay? If it took me 10 times, if it took you five times, is it okay? If, if, If both of us start off at 300 pounds and we have a goal to get to 100 pounds and it took me 10 months to get there and it took you three years to get there. Does it really matter that I did it faster? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Isn't it just good that we both arrived to the same point? So I don't know. You know, that's just kind of something, you know, sometimes is it the movie or is it just that? Sometimes you got to watch it twice. You know, I had to watch Matrix more than once to get it. And some of my friends saw it one time. And got everything on the first sitting. And I was still like, man, I'm gonna have to go and watch this again, man. I didn't, I didn't really catch all the stuff with Neo and the code and all this stuff. And I I just thought that, and I didn't, I don't know, I didn't knock the movie for that. I was just like, Well, it took me. I just kind of internalized that and said, Well, it just took me more times. But hey, I got Mm -hmm. it. You know, I appreciate it. I will. Stand there and say, "Yeah, The Matrix is a great movie." Um, and even though it took me two times to arrive to that, it's okay. I think it's all good, you know. Uh, um, and some either people, way, so some
0: people might like want like some people might be okay with it. Like, you know, what I want to watch it more than once. <laughs> you know, maybe some people are on on board with that kind of thing. For me, maybe it's just a subject matter though. Too, it's like it's hard for me to want to watch storyline like this more than once, because it's just hard to watch in general because of the subject matter. But again, other people might be like, no, I love this. And like, I want to rewatch it. And, and, um, you know, it's, it is very much a preference thing. Like what's your cup of tea and what's not. So, yeah.
1: True. And like we said, this is tragic and this is sad. This is by no means a story where a person overcomes their obstacles. You know, this is
0: not (laughs) correct. And that makes it hard to be like, I love this movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So for some people, man, they're going to see all this sad stuff happening. And then on top of that, you're trying to figure out what's real and what's not. And then when you get to the end, it's just sad. And some people are like, man, uh, you know, that sours them on it. You know, they can't appreciate. The some of these things it was trying to do, these artistic things it was trying to do over here, because ultimately you just walked out sad. So sometimes (laughs) it's hard to compartmentalize that sadness and go, well, it was sad, but it was also, but I loved it. You know, some people aren't wired that way. If the movie made me feel sad or bad, well, then that's going to be my verdict of the film. So, you know, some people are only going to say a movie is good as what it made them feel. You know, we say that a lot. Like, I didn't connect to this film, so therefore, I don't think that this film is very good. Or I really connected to this film, so I think that this film is great. And probably the truth is somewhere in between you don't always have to connect to a film. That doesn't necessarily mean the film is bad, right? Like, really, if you think about it, just because you didn't connect doesn't mean that the film lacked story structure, didn't have good acting, didn't have meaningful things, didn't make a ton of money, didn't win any awards. You know, sometimes our connection is not actually tied to the quality of the film.
0: No, but, that's, that's very true, because I think that, like, there, there's plenty of movies where I'm just like, no, the movie was very well made, it was very well acted, I just personally did not like the movie, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but it is to us, and that's why I think it's important to, exp- to, um, to stress Not only critic reviews and fan reviews, right? Because that's why fan reviews are important. Because regardless of all these people saying, oh, it's great, it's artistic, it's this and it's that. But if the fans go, man, this was confusing. I didn't understand this. What were they even talking about? What even was Anthony Hopkins? This movie is garbage. That's going to have a lot of influence (laughs) on the movie than than what, what those critics said. So I'm not saying one matters over the other. I'm just saying be cognizant of that. You know, I think that it's important to be able to say, look, I hated this movie. I want to be that. I'm just that guy that I'm like, look, I hated this movie, but the movie is great. I'm that guy, you know, (laughs) I'm that guy. I didn't like this at all. I, w- I didn't connect with this. I didn't understand this, but the movie is excellent. The I movie mean, it's, does it's, have, a you know, this, this, that, this, 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 and the other. So, but I still didn't like it. And I think you got to be able to make that distinction too, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's the same. I mean, it's the same as saying like, I realize that this movie is absolutely a terrible movie. It is not a good, well-made movie in any way, but I love it. It's the same concept, just in reverse, (laughs) you know? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. So you got to be able to go um, both ways with that. But that's why this is good, you know, to get all these different opinions. and, And, you know, and there are people out there who, when they watch movies, they're watching them at face value. They're not looking for all these hidden meanings and all these deep things and what did, when when, the, when Anthony Hopkins was listening to the c d and it skipped a bunch of times and he lost track of it, that was an allegory for his brain. Some people don't care they just they they just <laughs> watched it you know they just watched it, and they saw the c d skip and yeah, Man, that sucks. Uh, you know, and they probably just had a thought, yeah, that really sucks when a CD skips like that. <laughs> they may not have been thinking that this was an allegory for his. Not every viewer, not everybody watches movies the same. And that's kind of the beauty of it. Like, like I said, um, uh, way a, a while back at hour one, it, it's, it's a, like a painting sometimes, you know, you might look at a painting and say, oh, man, you know, I just really like that, this painter used the color red and that's it. That's about all I like about this painting. And then somebody else will come and go, oh man, the beauty, the, the the structure of the lines, and he gets really chaotic in this corner. And then you can see how it slowly declines to this and this corner. And is one view necessarily better than the other? No, it all depends on where you fall on that spectrum. If you're somebody that just watch this movie at face value, yes, I could see you going, man, a lot of this was was just puzzling and quizzical. And even if you tell me it has all these great meanings, it still doesn't take away the fact that it was too puzzling and that at the end, you just feel sad. So I was confused yeah. for half the movie. And then at the end, I was just sad. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I don't care about the allegory of death. I mean, I just wanted. You know, I was just sad.
0: (laughs) But again, it doesn't mean it doesn't do its job, because if the point was to give you the perspective of look at how frustrating it is when you have to deal with not remembering things and stuff like that. On top of this is really sad that this is something that you you there's not a happy ending for people who have this. And so in that sense, it does its job as a movie and telling the story it wanted to tell. And for that sake, you cannot say that it was a bad movie, really. I mean, I guess you could if the, you know what I mean? But in, in general, if my feelings coming out of it are, well, um, I, like you said, I was confused and frustrated at what was going on in the movie. And then at the end, I was just sad. And so it's like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's just one of those where, that that those were my feelings about it and so that's why you know i'm i'm not like this was a terrible movie because of the quality of it it's just oh i don't like how the movie made me feel and therefore it's not a movie i would prefer to watch again probably <laughs> you know what i mean like it's it's one of those situations but i digress mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah and i mean 70 is still a respectable score it's not like that's not passing it's not like that's a bad score you know what i mean it's not like you gave it a terrible score (laughs) so uh, i'm yeah i'm totally in agreement uh with that and yeah and like you said it it's just it is sad because this is a movie about closure but it's like Not the good closures, it's the bad ones. The ones that we don't always want to face and stuff like that. Because, you know, the movie is called The Father, not just because Anthony Hopkins is a father, but it's also about him, like, not really being able to be the father too, right? Like, he's the father, but instead of him taking care of his daughters, he's being taken care of now. He can't really console his daughter like he used to. He's not the person that he was to her. And even though she was trying to hold on to him, there's a part of it where he can't fulfill that role anymore. And that's just the way life works, right? At a certain point, you, you know, you can't do the, you can't be the father the same way that you were. And there has to be a closure there. There had to be closure for Olivia Coven and, There had to be a closure for her and her relationship to her father. She had to let him go. And that's not an easy thing to do. This is somebody who raised you. You've grown up with and known him and cared about what they thought about you your whole life. So that's an ugly closure and one that you have to accept. And then there's the closure of death. You know, he was so afraid of death. He was so afraid to have to face that. And... Then he's staring it in the face that he just wanted his mother and he just couldn't deal with that. But that is very real, that closure of death. So yeah, sad stuff, but meaningful stuff all around. So,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Any other thoughts?
1: No, I am good. That is it for me. I'm done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And one more thing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh yeah,
1: yeah, you know me. I got to do my one more. Wait, one no, more but thing. no, we're not. One more thing. Oh yeah, and so Anthony. No, I'm. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
0: You, well, your one more thing can be um closing us out.
1: Yeah, the wrap up. There we go. Yeah. there's there's the good one more thing. Wrapping it up. Well, um, that's gonna do it for us here at Cinema Slayer. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of Minari and the Father. Don't forget to like us at Cinema Slayer's podcast on Facebook. Cinema underscore Slayers on Instagram and Twitter. And stay tuned for more great episodes. Man, we're going to have Army of the Dead. We've got Spiral coming. We've got a whole lot of other movies that are yet to be released. We're going to talk about Black Widow. You know, we're going get to get to Loki eventually. So all the popular stuff coming out, we plan on having reviews for it. So stick with us. And thanks again for listening to another great episode. Of cinema slayers. Somebody else is doing it. Oh yeah, Somebody I'm surprised it's you. Uh. All right. Are you ready?
0: Rolling Stone. Papa was a Rolling Stone. Cinema slayers. Yeah, that's right. Papa
1: was a Rolling Stone. There, I'm done.